Welcome to episode number 84 of The Space in Between, and this week it is moi, me. We took a break last week and needed a little break after the time in New York's in New York in the Hudson Valley. We were able to kick off our summer series at Stonegate Farm, which is a really special space. And we'll be there all summer long. Nomad will be there leading yoga practices 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday. And what else is happening in Nomadland is I'm offering my Monday morning meds over at Facebook and Instagram each week, which is a short meditation. And actually today's talk is based on the last three weeks, um, our themes for the last three weeks, and kind of wrapping it all up into one beautiful package here today and uh yeah that's that's kind of it our six week series of who are we becoming is we're have a couple more weeks to go and i definitely know that we're going to be offering that again um again this is uh, the six weeks series that i've been running for the past almost a year now but this one in particular is really special we go deeper dives into our own personal journeys. I work one-on-one with each member in the group as well as working through the movement practices and and weekly check-ins with the group and other tools throughout the week to to give you more healthy resources during these very chaotic times and also unpacking some stuff that maybe has brought you to this time and space um, from your past. So yeah, if you want to find out more about that, you can visit nomadalwaysathome.com or my website, phoebeleonat.com. There's more specific information about that six-week series. And also, you can dive in with me one-on-one as a private session, so you don't have to wait until I run it again in September. If you want to a, set up a consultation with me, uh, we, can, we can dive in together. This is looking at a little bit of unpacking what you want to, setting your intention of what you want to to look at in your own life and maybe some obstacles that have been holding you back uh, and then we look at some healthy resources to bolster you to prepare you for moving forward and to kind of help deal with anything of your past and then we use the movement 109 practice to get into the physical experience of your body and seeing where those patterns are and to release them and make some space for this new intention that you have, new something new to manifest. So yeah, that's happening uh, anytime you get to set that. Just go over to phoebeleona.com or movement109, that'll take you there too, uh, .com. And yeah, I would love to connect with you and help you on your journey. And so this week we're looking at a couple of, we're kind of looking at how everything is sacred. That's what I'm going to call this is everything you do is sacred. And that's from uh, Hafiz line, a Sufi poet, Hafiz uh, or Hafez uh, poet uh, that I shared a couple of weeks ago in the meditation and at the Stonegate class uh, is that everything you do is sacred. And I think this is basically what we need to remember right now with all that is happening in our world still here we are four months later dealing with still really the first wave of this pandemic and it seems to be getting worse and all the upheaval that's been happening the past month or two months now i guess almost two months 
um, with with everything in Black Lives Matter and, and also shifts that are happening with um, the indigenous communities. So yeah, so what are we talking about today? Well, I'm going to talk about does any of this matter? <laughs> uh, the time that I almost stayed in Bali and what vows have been broken and what needs to be broken, what vows need to be broken, the trauma of Trump, and why is it time to look at our shadows and a remi- remembering that every heart is a temple. So that's what we're going to dive into today, my friends. So does any of this matter? <laughs> that is what I wrote in my journal today. Does any of this matter? And this could be at my own level, right? What I have to offer? What do I have to say? How do I show up in the world? Does any of it really matter? If I stopped doing this podcast, if I stopped posting things on social media, if I stopped showing up for my friends, does it really and my family, does it really matter? That's kind of where I was this morning when I was preparing to see this. You know, when I look around at all that we're seeing, a lot of hysteria here, a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot of uh, hate, yeah, people making choices from a place of trauma or the triggers of trauma, right? Those choices that when we're in those states, they're we're not making logical choices, right? We're not seeing logic. Um, Just for instance, this idea of wearing a mask, right? For some people, they are fighting it as if it's a political statement or a civil right um, to wear or not to wear a mask. Yeah, it's not actually being seen as an actual health concern for the person wearing the mask and for the people that this person is present or people are present in front of. So there's not a lot of logic, and that is, um, I just read an article about this very thing to, uh, earlier this morning on how um, people are fighting because they are in a place of not feeling like they are in control or safe or feeling like they're in a predictable situation, right? This is trauma. When we feel that we are unsafe, we're unpredict- it's an unpredictable environment, and we're in control, right? That is a state of trauma. And so some people are moving from the space of trauma right so when we see that right how how do we hold space how do we hold space if we're ones that are not feeling feeling safe right how do we talk to ourselves and say that this matters (laughs) as i said before like does any of this matter how do we hold space for the people we love how do we hold space for these people um, that we don't know maybe, or maybe we do know them, right? Who are, who are fighting f- um, for this, this right to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, for example, um, that are potentially endangering themselves and ourselves and others. Um, how do we hold space for people who have just simply different views, right? There's so many different vo- views out there, so many different voices out there. And coming back to this idea of like, does any of this matter? Just like, does my voice matter, right? There's so many voices out there right now. Does it matter if my voice is being heard right now? I don't know. It's kind of one one of the reasons I took a week off from this um, to just hold space for listening with uh, to others. Um, But so, how do we get past all of this, right? How do we get past this feeling of um, 
fear, anger, shame, guilt, hatred, uh, feeling desperate or hopeless in these, these kind of situations that we're in as we look at the news and see the numbers go up again in, in different states and moving backwards in terms of the lockdown and still moving forward because of the, the economy and putting people at risk, right? A lot of us are kind of shaking our heads like, what is happening here? Um, but how do we get past all of this, right? Um, what keeps happen- What keeps coming up for me is, again, this this mantra of everything is sacred. All of this is an opportunity for listening. All of this is an opportunity for growth. All of this is a sacred opportunity, yeah, to give something up. Maybe it's a belief. Maybe it is something of value to you. Um, sacrifice is the root, the root word for sacrifice is to give up something that is sacred to something bigger than ourselves. And this could be back in the day, right, sacrificing animals to the gods, right, um, but this could be right now here, giving something up that is sacred. Maybe it is your words. Maybe it is your your space to to speak your mind when you know that somebody else needs to speak up right now, right? Maybe you need to remember that all all of this is sacred. Everything here is sacred, even if there is a viewpoint that you're not agreeing with it is sacred to that person so that was kind of the first week that we were looking at three weeks ago we were looking at um, the offering yeah the offering in our archetype cards and kind of what are you willing to give up yeah and going all the way back to right before like in the midst of when everything was happening um, I was in Bali as if you've been listening, you know, I was in Bali leading a yoga retreat and it had wrapped up and I was still there for another week. And it was a situation where I looked at my ticket and I was like, hmm, I could potentially extend this and stay here and and kind of get stuck here in a way, right? Um, Feeling like it might have been the safer choice at the time. But I gave up that. Yeah, I, I was willing to give up that space of being in literally paradise yeah feeling safe because i i just had a feeling that it wasn't going to be as bad in bali as it would be in the in our country the united states um but i i gave i gave that up to be closer to my family i thought if there was anything that happened to any of my you know family um that i'd want to be close by i'd want to be there Uh, I'd also want to be of service, you know, even though things were already shifting online at that last week, I was on social media a lot, offering meditations and movement practices on social media. Um, I knew like the time change. Yeah, there was, I think it was a 12 hour time difference. I knew that I couldn't be of service because most of the times I was asleep when the other side of the world was awake and vice versa. So I knew if I was going to have to show up on a consistent way, it would be very challenging to be there, um, to be of service. So I, I sat in that airport after they took my temperature and 
they had some trouble with the tickets and I thought, hmm, is this a sign? Maybe I need to stay here. And I realized what was sacred, what was important to me was to be here with family and to be of service. Um, but here we are four months later. <laughs> Did that matter? <laughs> right? I'm off that offering that I made. I'm asking that, that question again, like, was that the right choice? Um, so what is up for renegotiation, right? What can we look at moving into last week's practice of the vow, right? The vow being the contract of some kind. Yeah. The commitment, um, are there vows that have been broken or abandoned? And not just in this time period of four months, um, but just in your life. Are there are there commitments that you had made that now they just don't make sense? Or maybe you abandoned them, right? Or they need to be broken um, or have been broken out of your own control, right? Or maybe there's a new vow that needs to be made. Maybe you're recommitting to something maybe these four months have shown you something that's really important that you didn't remember um, previous right because you were running around so much in your life um, doing somewhat maybe meaningless tasks where, where what you feel like at this point in time right maybe then it felt very meaningful but now that they're not there you're feeling that they were somewhat meaningless and now there's more space to realize what's important to you, right? What's important to you, maybe it's the recommitment to your family, maybe it's a recommitment to your self-care practice, maybe it's a recommitment to um, being of service to others who really need, right? Something, be it help, you know, physical labor or um, emotional support or money, um, that you're able to provide for them and you're you're now recommitting to that right so what vows are up for renegotiation or what vows are you ready to enter into in this time and space and I was looking at this too of like what vows that maybe we didn't make but maybe our ancestors made right um, that we sort of kind of inherited, right? We're looking at that right now with um, specifically how our ancestors treated people of color, yeah, and indigenous people. And we somehow un inherently and unconsciously uh, took, that, took that with us, right? And so now we're renegotiating these vows that we made to these different populations and to ourselves. And we're all looking at it with different lenses of how we played our role, right? And taking now a new responsibility for that. And it's a really beautiful thing that we're having conversations that seem like a big duh to some of people, right? But it's happening now. And that's a really wonderful thing to 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 acknowledge right to acknowledge and to participate in and we're also looking at all these different systems our healthcare system our political system our social system right uh how all of these different types of systems vows commitments right to taking care of us need to be restructured in some way they're failing us in a lot of ways right now 
And so maybe these vows really need to just collapse, be broken, pulled apart, and restructured in some way. And I've been looking at this for my own self, right, in my own personal way of, you know, what kind of commitments from these four months when I decided, right, to offer myself to my family, to my service, my community, um, to be back here in the United States. Well, what kind of, um, what vows or commitments are shifting since that that four months ago? Um, was a couple things, yeah. My body, I've had, I think I shared in previous podcasts, a bit of a health issue. And so I've committed and looking at how I am putting food into my body. Yeah, I've always felt like I, I've been very healthy and have a very healthy relationship with with food. Um, very been, I feel like I'm very fortunate with that. But, you know, there were certain things that just were creating a lot of heat in my system, things that didn't even think about, like putting pepper on my food, yeah, um, or eating a lot of garlic, yeah, things that were just creating a lot of unnecessary um, heat, a lot of overheating in my system that was creating all these other symptoms in my body. So I have, the past two months, really been dedicated to looking at the food that I'm um, eating, doing a very, very intense Ayurvedic cleanse. And hopefully in the next month or so, I can start to reintegrate. But I'm committed to it. I'm committed to, you know, doing this for my my health right now, but also for the longevity of my health and my body, um, potentially so that I don't have to have surgery in the fall um, when that's when that's an option again. Um, I'm recommitting to the services. Yeah, shifting a lot of these offerings to the lens of trauma. Yeah, I've been teaching yoga and dance for so many years and and doing a lot of my own um, studying of, of what trauma looks like and how to go beyond it, moving towards post-traumatic growth uh, over the past few years. And now I'm the, the offerings that I'm having are really more specific because we're all in a state of trauma right now. We're all feeling unsafe, unpredictable, in a space of not feeling in control. And so it's really important that we have these conversations. We have these conversations and, and are offering tools to bolster us to with healthy resources so that we can move beyond this, so that we're making logical decisions as opposed to what we talked about before of illogical choices like, is a mask a political statement? <laughs> right, or civil rights act, right? Um, it's just simply a health concern. It's, it's simply the safety of your own health. So when we are, well, my services, and there's so many others out there too, all these different healing modalities, so that you can come down into that space of feeling somewhat safe and predictable and controlled environment because you have these healthy resources. So I'm shifting, I'm recommitting to how I'm offering um, what I have to offer this or in this world. And then I'm also renegotiating my relationships and my friendships of all kinds, yeah. Um, listening more, creating a little bit more space. I've been a lot quieter going inward on my own so that I can, when I do show up, um, 
a bit more present yeah because there's a lot happening inward <laughs> and I don't want to confuse that with what is happening in the outer world um, I'm really looking at the abandonment issues that I have had for many years and and again doing my own work of creating healthier resources when I do feel these triggers and I think I spoke of this before of how this pandemic is has been the perfect cocktail for for our collective traumas and then also what happened you know a couple months later into it black lives matter that was also another perfect somehow divine situation where it's um surfacing all of our all of our gunk all of our as my teacher elizabeth andy's bell said it's like we're all purging right now collectively we're all just detoxifying all that has been toxic in this world in this earth in these communities for so so long and we're getting rid of it we're bringing it up to the surface and and how it's just been this perfect storm for us to get through to do that but in the midst of that right we have our own individual traumas too so mine being this abandonment issue but what I was noticing that when, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, how it was affecting all of us to a certain extent, very much in the same way, right? We were no longer able to go out and do our regular routines, um, but it was also affecting us individually, like my little abandonment issue, and then it was affecting other people and, and how they were dealing with like, maybe it was being alone more, or maybe it was how they used to fill you know, time and space with stuff right doing stuff and not really going inward and, and they were kind of being triggered in that you know being forced to go inward so lots of and so many other people's stories and we probably share them throughout this and and the interviews over the time and space these past few months but yeah it's been kind of bubbling up our collective detoxification but also our individual detoxification too and so that kind of brings us to this week in the meditation practice, our temple. Yeah, our temple could be our bodies, it could be our hearts, it could be our lives. Uh, Rumi says, every heart is a temple. Every heart is a temple. And, and the meditation that I led this week on Facebook and Instagram, you can go watch that. But um, yeah, we, we do a bit of a meditation of entering our own heart first and understanding the essence, like what does what does that temple look like and not not getting hung up on the visuals but how what does it look like what does it feel like what does it sound like what does it smell like getting to the essence of it um because we don't often we think of something like a temple is outside of ourselves right oh i'll go there on sundays and reach out to god or whatever is bigger than yourself whatever you call it god allah um, we and we don't actually we have been disconnected from from the sacred right we've somehow rejected the sacred being within ourselves and again everything you do you are is sacred um, so how how can we remember that right how can we remember that the temple is within ourselves and how can we remember that the temple is within everyone's heart right how can we enter into the space when we're in those different difficult conversations with other people and know that there is a sacredness within them too 
right? How can we enter in? And how by rejecting the other, whatever you want to call the other, being on the other side of um, politics, being on the other side of color or ethnicity or just general viewpoints of to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, right? Whenever you're rejecting the other, you are rejecting something within yourself. So again, when you're rejecting something of the other, you're also rejecting something within yourself. You're putting up a wall to not, le- to not open up into that space of hearing what is being called out, right? Maybe it isn't something that you believe in and maybe you can see clearly that, oh, they're speaking from this space of very illogical place, but maybe there's somewhere we can understand that, oh, they're not feeling safe or predictive in a predictable environment or in control. So now knowing that I can lean in and maybe I can bring them down into that space just by being here and listening. And I thought it was really interesting today. I listened or not listened, but I read an article about the new biography on Trump. Yeah. Written by his niece and how she's also um, a therapist of some kind, a psychologist and how she Um, I didn't read the book, but I'm basing it off of the article that I read. But she's basically saying that um, how he is a victim of trauma, how his father was a sociopath and his mother was very absent and also sounds a bit narcissistic, too, from what I read. And so not to (laughs) pity him or, you know, say, say, oh, everything that he has done is okay because he was a victim of trauma, but can we start to see the root of this, right? The root of how he is the way he is right now. Um, How can we understand that he is a victim of trauma and he is really the reflection of the collective trauma? Yeah, the collective trauma of the Western man. Yeah, um, this, the the picture that, that she painted, it sounded very similar to my father's parents in a lot of ways. It was like, wow, (laughs) you know, kind of pinning the kids against one another, um, you know, saying that they weren't good enough individually and then kind of pinning them against each other, not being very present, um, just being emotionally abusive. Yeah, um, it sounded very similar to my father, father's upbringing from what he shared with me when he was he was um, alive. And I was thinking, yeah, this has probably been going on to a certain extent. I'm not saying everybody has these horrible, but, you know, these men that we kind of look at and say, why are they, you know, making these choices um, that just seem so illogical? Well, I hate to say it, but maybe they were in that space of not knowing better, being this kind of victim of trauma. Now, again, this isn't here to excuse them, but it's to understand, right? To to start to hear and hear the cries, right? The cries are angry fists. (laughs) Um, The cries are with their need to have guns, yeah? Their cries are to say, I'm not going to wear a mask. how, and I don't have the answer to this, my friends, but how 
can we just begin to understand? How can we begin to understand and listen? How can we, again, not reject the other, right? Because that when we reject the other, we're rejecting something within ourselves too. There is a quote, there's a little post that I wanted to read. And now as I'm looking at my notes, I realized, oh, I didn't pull it up. Um, actually, I think I have it nearby. Yes, let me read it. So this was shared by Angel Deer, who was on our podcast. Um, when was he on our podcast? About a month or so ago. And he posted this. It looks like it was a reshare of some sort, but I'm going to, I think it's relevant to share. In, in this talk. So it says, sometimes I want to want it to stop. Talk COVID, protest, looting, brutality. I lose my way, become convinced that this is new normal. This new normal is real life. But then I meet an 87-year-old who talks of living through polio, diphtheria, Vietnam, protests, and yet is still enchanted with life. He seemed surprised when I said 2020 must be especially challenging for him. No, he said, slowly looking straight in my eyes. I learned a long time ago to, to not see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through the people that surround me. I see the world with the realization that we love big. Therefore, if I choose to write my own headlines, Therefore, I cho just choose to write my own headlines. Husband loves wife today. Family drops everything to come to grandma's bedside. He patted my hand. Old man makes a new friend. His words collided with my worries, freeing them from the tether I had been holding tight. They float away. I am left with a renewed spirit. My headline now reads, Woman overwhelmed by the spirit of kindness and the reminder that our capacity to love is never ending. Uh, yeah, I think that that is something that we need to remember here, especially when we do get caught up in the headlines. Yeah, get caught up in what media wants us to see and not see, not show us, right? how to go inward and sit with our temple and see the essence again what is within ourselves what do we want to bring out into this world how can we make be the change that we want to see as gandhi says right um and i'm saying this from not a place of denial of what is here i'm not saying this of a place of just imagine that life is a full of butterflies and rainbows and um, no, we're still going to be sitting with the shadows, yeah, um, in the darkness and the chaos and the fear and the anger and the hate. But how can we bring some sort of light, right? Maybe it's just by starting by listening, listening to the other, listening to ourselves, bringing those shadow, shadows to the light. And, you know, I, I speak to this from my own personal story. You know, as a child, I, I feel that I was fortunate that I had to look at these things at a young age. You know, my grandparents that I spoke of, my dad's parents were racist bigots. You know, I wasn't allowed to bring 
my best friends who were um, one being black, the other being Filipino. I wasn't allowed to bring them around because they weren't accepted in my fa- in this family, this my grandparents' family, um, my dad's side of the family rather. Um, so I had to kind of look at that. Yeah, I had to kind of look at that and see what kind of people I was um, that brought me into this world and if did I want to continue that in some way? Yeah, did I want to continue that? that habit that they inherited from their their upbringing, did I want to bring that into mine? And the ch- the answer is no. <laughs> I continue to love my best friends. I continue to accept every, every color, every ethnicity. Um, anybody that felt different from me, I leaned into because I was curious about, you know, why? Why are they, why are they different? How are we the same, right? That was the most beautiful thing is, Maybe on the outside we seem different, but really on the inside as we lean in, we are the same, right? I remember one of my best friend that I'm mentioning, we were, we lived in the same neighborhood and there was always like kind of, I don't know how we found this out, but the park that we would go to at night, there were KKK parties or gatherings or whatever you want to call them, ceremonies and we would talk about that, right? What did that mean? And how could that be here in our own neighborhood where it felt very diverse? Um, so I was very aware that it wasn't just in my family, but it was it was beyond, you know, it was in my community in some way. Um, I also knew that, you know, on my mom's side of the family, we had, it was a somewhat famous family, yeah, the and that I came from and we had a plantation. And so you can imagine that we probably owned slaves. So I remember learning about the Civil War and slavery as a young child and thinking, gosh, I was, my family is maybe sort of on the wrong, wrong side, right? Quote unquote, the wrong side. And, and how, what would that be like? And I remember visualizing like being with Harriet Tubman, going through the Underground Railroad and kind of like almost like I was trying to meditate my way into being on the other on the other side of things right to empathize with with not just the my family's roots but the the other side of the roots right of people of um the slaves right of sla- of, of black african americans and um how did that feel in that time right so i was looking at that again um historically I was looking at the abuse. I mean, I was a direct victim of abuse from my father who was simply the neglect of mental health in our, for service members. You know, he came back from Viet, two tours of Vietnam. He um, basically got out of Vietnam because he shot himself in the leg. Yeah, that is a very illogical choice that he made. He was in a definitely a state of trauma where he couldn't see life any further and he decided to shoot his own leg to get out of there and nobody really did anything right they gave him some papers said go on your way and didn't really ever treat him you know he went to the VA several times in the the period of time from when he got back and into the 80s you know as I was when I was a child and they just kind of tapped him on the shoulder gave him some various medications and said oh you have shell shock what 20 years later <laughs> um and didn't really do much for him right and so he ended up being um a victim right of of having very severe pts ptsd 
And um, I ended up being a victim of his his own trauma, right? Through through his his uh, his neglect, through his abuse, physical, emotional, all of that. Um, and so I I saw how you know our service members, not just military, but also service members in our local community, like police, aren't really being looked at for for the mental health, right? Not looking, they're not looking after their mental health. Even the healthcare workers, right? Who work around the clock, taking care of people. Um, We need better systems, right? We need better systems to take care of people's mental health. And um, yeah, I don't know. Those are just some of the things that I, I had to look at at a very young age these different shadows. And, and why I share all this was because going back to the temple was, you know, when I, when my father would go into a flashback, I could feel that energy shift. Um, so much so that I actually thought that I was the one creating the shift. I thought I was the, I was, I was the one who was turning him into a monster just by my thoughts. And so I had to sit with my shadows um, at a very young age thinking, wow, I must be this awful human being (laughs) to have my father do such awful things to other people. Yeah. Um, To me at times. And I carried a lot of weight until just very recently when I did a session um, kind of a training with Elizabeth and Bruce, who've been on here several times, and we actually talked about kind of our superpowers and in terms of our intuition, and and realizing that I had tucked that away for a very long time because I did I felt like that was a shadow, that wasn't a, a power, that was um, that was a sh- very dark shadow of, of you know kind of controlling things, and so. Why I, I speak to that right now is because we all have these shadows. They're all here in our temples, um, but we ha- and we all have them, right? We can, but we have to learn how to sit with them and to accept them and to forgive them. And when we can do that, when we can sit in our own hearts and see what is there. Um, see that we inherited through our ancestors. See what what how we are playing a part or not playing the part in what is happening in this world now. And when we can start to make space for that and forgive ourselves and not carry the shame and the guilt, yeah, we can start to hold space for other people. We can start to open up and break down our walls or maybe at least soften the walls, maybe not fully break them down, but we can at least start to soften our walls and maybe the walls of the other can start to come down to. So when we start to sit in the temple of, of, our, of our hearts, right, we begin to honor ourselves. When we can start to see the temple of others, you know, we begin to honor them. We get to honor their walls if they're up. We can honor their pain if we see that. We can honor their desperate need for love and acceptance and some sort of safety. It has to start with us. Yeah, if we just continue to point the finger 
those three fingers are always pointing back at us, right? If we're pointing that finger at someone else outside the other, those three fingers are pointing back at us. So we have to be able to sit within our own temple. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What is sacred? What is important to you? How do you want to show up in this world? What kind of difference do you want to make? So remembering that everything you do is sacred. Every thought, every word, every action, all those actions leading to habits and belief systems, all of it is sacred. So all of you is sacred. And that other, whoever that is that you call the other, they are sacred too. And so how can we begin to see that, see their pain, see their trauma, see their illogical choices, right? Where they're stemming from, offering a hand to them, making a vow to continue to show up for ourselves, for others. Our world is, our community of United States, our way that we we organize is very individualistic and now it's time to renegotiate that vow and be of service to all of us right to be moving towards taking care of each other right not looking out for just one but for all so those are the words that I have for you today I hope that that is of service to you Again, does any of this matter? (laughs) That was the original question. Does any of this matter? Maybe you decide from this talk, nothing matters. Maybe you are going to recommit to what matters to you and how you're going to show up. How you're going to show up for yourself, how you're going to show up for others. How you're going to take care of that temple of yours and all of ours. Every heart is a temple. Every heart is my temple, as Rumi says. Every heart is my temple. So how can you enter into all of those hearts and feel safe and welcomed? 